It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, ma. Anything's possible. Rainy days. Jump shot, fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it like when Tatum play a Jalen on the breakaway, a Kyrie when he make a trade, and nothing like the terrible analysts on the TV. So in depth that after you play it, you got a repeat. So in depth they might do an hour about the D League. So in depth you probably should pay him, but it's a freebie. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J King locked on trying to get the 18th ring. And well wishes go to Gordon. Listen after every game is very important, Millie. Hey there, welcome back to the Lockdown Celtics Podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Thank you for making this part of your daily routine. We are here for you Monday through Friday, so wherever it is that you're going, whatever it is that you're doing, thanks for taking us along. I am John Corrales of RedsArmy.com and Boston.com here alone to introduce the show because in a minute I will be joined by Sean Woodley of the Locked On Raptors podcast. We're going to talk about that Saturday night game. The Celtics won that one, 110-99. A huge fourth quarter. Brad Stevens unleashed a zone defense. Uh, Dwayne Casey didn't know what to do with it. The Raptors didn't know what to do with it. The Raptors bench underperformed. And the Celtics, well, I want to say the Celtics bench, but the Celtics everybody kind of overperformed because their starters are basically their bench now. We're going to get into all of that Uh, But first, I want to just invite everybody to subscribe. If you are new to the show, if this is your first time listening, please subscribe to the podcast. Go wherever you find your other podcasts. Search for Lockdown Celtics and give us a good rating. If you are a subscriber, make sure that you give us that five-star rating. Give us a good review. Share and spread the word. Okay, here is the conversation now with Lockdown Raptors host, Sean Woodley. Quick heads up, we did have a couple of audio problems. The recording didn't come out exactly right, so I pieced together two separate recordings, which will sound a little bit different. I hope it's not too distracting, so here's the conversation. All right, Sean, so let's just get right into it here. What's your big takeaway from last night's game? (sighs) (laughs) It was... um... It was a, if you're a Raptors fan, it was a disappointing game, and you know. So for me, I think I probably err on the side of I don't really have takeaways from these games lately, anyway, because I just feel like the Raptors, just like a lot of people, are kind of you know just waiting for the playoffs to come around, and I'm not sure exactly you know how much I should glean from everything, and I feel like the 65 or 66 game sample of them being the best team in the East by a significant margin is it's going to take a lot for that to be washed away from me. So even games like this where, you know, the things kind of fall apart in the fourth quarter, it's really hard for me to get two up in arms over and have like a big serious reaction. I mean, Raptors fans are insane. And like, you know, it's understandable considering the amount that they've been beaten down in the past and how, you know, the playoffs have always been this looming specter. And it, it, I feel like it's understandable that people are freaking out right now a little bit because they're, what, three and four in their last seven games or something like that. But, um, like, even though the fourth quarter was a disaster uh, for the Raptors, I, I just can't come away thinking anything but what I thought all season and that 
I still think the Raptors are a better team than the Celtics. I think they are set up well to sort of translate their changes into the playoffs. And I thought, for me, the Celtics just played an excellent game, and I thought Brad Stevens coached a wonderful game. Um, that, that zone they busted out in the fourth quarter, I think, was what kind of was the difference in the game because the Raptors, with C.J. Miles struggling so badly, and I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen C.J. I don't know if I've seen a C.J. Miles game that bad this season uh, or ever, really. He was just uh, lost on both ends. Marcus Morris was owning him on both sides of the floor. And yeah, 0-5 from deep, 0-6 from the field. The only points he got were on a foul three-point attempt. Um, like, I, I just, with Miles not shooting that well, and with sort of the, the difficulty of you know trying to match for size while also trying to keep shooting on the floor, the Raptors didn't have a very good sort of look to throw at the Celtics with that zone, and they didn't really break it apart until at the very end they had like a nice little play they ran where Lowry caught a screen on the baseline and then hit a corner three, and I thought, oh, okay, that, that's nice. They at least drew something up to try to get around it, but um, I thought the zone was what kind of changed this game, and, and that was kind of the difference for me, and you know, the, I, I have a hard time getting too upset if I'm a Raptors fan because I still think for the most part, they're fine. There were a lot of good things from this game. I thought Serge Ibaka was excellent, um, and he's been good the last couple of games after having a couple months of really bad play. But DeMar DeRozan, once again, kind of continued his thing where he just owns the Celtics every time he plays them. And I think there were just as many good things from this game from the first three quarters and a bit than uh, as there were bad things from the last five minutes or so. So I don't know. What, what do you think, though, as a Celtics fan? like, Does this change your outlook of what the Raptors are as a team or what the Celtics are capable of? Oh, so, okay, so... On Twitter last night, I was I was definitely trolling Raptors fans. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> so anybody who any Raptors fans who are listening, it is a very easy thing to do, and and partly why I did it because I don't know. I was it's a Saturday night. I was kind of watching a little bit more as a fan than as anything else for for a night. I took like a night off from all the analytical stuff, but uh, it was funny because I think going in like the biggest storyline going in was really like coach of the year, which is not a big storyline at all, right? Like that, who who cares, really? But we care because, you know, we're making it a big thing. And I think the the fourth quarter kind of was like, hey, it's great that Dwayne Casey got the the Raptors to play differently and, and, and be different and, and all that stuff. And he's done a great coaching job. But I think the, the first thing that came out of that game for us was, you look at that fourth quarter, mm -hmm. and that was a display of how good a coach Brad Stevens is and how he's the, the, probably the coach of the year this year. And while that is not important necessarily, coach of the year is not an important award, it is important in the sense that I know that mm -hmm. Raptors fans are the way they are because they're sensitive about the way things have gone in the past. And th things have gone downhill quickly in the past for the Raptors. That's not... I'm not saying anything and I'm not, I'm trying not to say it in a way that is disrespectful because I actually, I like the Raptors. And I have said in the past that if it's not the Celtics, I would like to see the Raptors, you know, if, if they lose to the Raptors in the conference finals and the Raptors go on and somehow win, I, that'd be, I'm cool with that. I'm fine with that. Cause I think this season for the Celtics has been house money. And obviously I want the Celtics to win, but if they don't, if they get outmatched, a Raptors, a Raptors win would be kind of nice. I'd like to see something pay off for the Raptors fans. However, that being said, it has to scare Raptors fans a little bit when a Celtics team that was missing so many guys and relying on such weird lineups, mm -hmm. it, it, it's got to be scary for you guys that Brad Stevens was able to pull out this zone, something different, 
that the Raptors weren't able to handle it. And a rookie in uh, Jason Tatum was able to basically play point guard for a stretch and be effective. Like that, that to me was the biggest thing that they found another way to win. I wasn't expecting them to, to really play well. First game off of a, a long Western road trip that they went undefeated. That first game home after trips like that always tends to be a letdown game. But somehow these Celtics keep on doing it. And there's this <laughs> magic like Aaron Baines going off in the first quarter and hitting two threes. What the hell is that? Like that. That's that's some crazy shit. You're like this. This doesn't mean like that's not something you can count on. But you need kind of crazy things like that to happen to to win games when half your team is out. But that last that that fourth quarter where the Celtics outscored Toronto 28-15 and so many things went wrong and and the Celtics zone shut down basically the the Toronto offense. That if you're going to glean anything if for me is the Raptors are well coached but are they coached well enough to make adjustments in the crunch in crunch time when it matters. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? John Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, look, I mean, that's always been the criticism of Dwayne Casey, and I've echoed it, and I've, I've totally bought into it, in that his in-game adjustments are kind of, if he has one big struggle, that's probably it. And I think, you know, the the arguments for, for Coach of the Year and whatnot, like, I don't particularly care. I would just say the, the individual arguments for each guy, like Brad Stevens, I think, is more a master of the minutiae, right? Whereas I think Dwayne Casey, his argument's more of a big-picture, holistic approach kind of thing, and you're looking at sort of how the team itself has changed, not so much, you know, what lineup they're using in the middle of the fourth quarter or how they're deploying this set here or this set there or this defense here or, or in what, whatever situation. Um, so I think that's where they differ and where their cases differ um, and, and where the 
arguments would, would sort of factor in for both guys. But uh, yeah, no, Casey's in-game adjustments have never been super quick. And I, I think this season there have been some examples of him doing it uh, and having a bit more success with it. And this sort of whole season for me has been a bit of a, you know an exercise in just giving the Raptors the benefit of the doubt at the start of the season. I didn't think they'd be able to change their offense. They did that. I didn't think they'd be able to be a good defense all season long. They did that. I didn't think they'd be able to run lineups where they don't have one of Kyle or DeMar on the court. They've done that all season to great effect. Uh, even the crunch time offense, you know, don't look at last night, but uh, even the crunch time offense, I think, has gotten better over the course of the season after some early season struggles, and I didn't think that would come around either. So I think all season long, Casey's been kind of taking these challenges and knocking them down. So this new challenge is posed. He didn't knock it down in the middle of the fourth quarter yesterday, but I feel like you know, over a series, like I feel like that zone would be figured out by Casey over a game or, or the in-between time between one and one game and another. And I think we saw this in the playoffs last year with the Bucks, where after game three of that series, the Raptors completely changed their starting five and they played differently and they ended up just blitzing the Bucks for the rest of the series. And that's what Casey's good at. He's good at the sort of long, long game in, in series adjustments as opposed to in game. And that can cost you games here and there. But I think overall, it's still not a bad way to go about things to be able to effectively change what you're doing from game to game. Um, but yeah, there's no, there's no doubt that in a close game, a, a tie game with five minutes left, as good of the, as, as Toronto's been as a crunch time team this season or just a fourth quarter team in general, um, you know, their defense has been just so good in crunch time. The offense is, is, a, is, a, is a struggle sometimes. And if a team's going to throw a defense like that at you and you're not going to be able to figure it out right away, that could cost you a game. And obviously every game is precious in the playoffs. So um, it is a concern. I don't think it means Dwayne Casey's a bad coach. I think a lot of coaches have these little foibles here and there. Uh, You know, I mean, Raptors fans, a lot of them would have you believe that Dwayne Casey's a bad coach, which I think is a ridiculous thing to say um, (laughs) because of the success he's had this season and the way he's been able to change things around. Not everyone's going to be absolutely flawless. Um, And, like, even Brad Stevens, like... As great as Brad Stevens has been this season, the, the Celtics' offense is a chore to watch, and I hate watching it. Um, and I, I'm not sure how much of that has to do with Stevens, but like it was just a steady diet of mid-range shots last night, and like I'm not sure that's what you'd like as a as a fan when you're watching your team. It was just not the most attractive offensive game for the Celtics until late in the game. Um, so I think all the all coaches have their own little you know issues here and there and things they have to work on and weaknesses, and certainly it could come down to that in, the, in a playoff series. I guess for me, I'm not particularly concerned because I just don't think I see a path to the Celtics and Raptors playing in, in an Eastern Conference Finals without Kyrie Irving in the first round. Like I think there's a very real chance the Celtics could lose if they get the wrong matchup. And in the second round, if they come across the the Cavs or even the Sixers, like I think that's a close series. Uh, and same goes for the Raptors. The Raptors aren't guaranteed to make the Conference Finals either, depending on sort of how their path goes. Um, so I guess I have a hard time being super duper concerned about it because I just think the likelihood of it is pretty is pretty slim. Um, and if it does come around to it, yeah, maybe that's the difference. But I also think the Raptors' talent has been, uh, you know, kind of on display all season long. And when you get games like Demar had last night, and like for the most part, I thought the Raptors played a good game as well. And I feel like you'd probably agree. Like the Raptors didn't play poorly until the last five minutes or so. They were pretty, you know, with it all night, and their their ball movement was excellent. They shot like fifty four percent through three quarters. That's something insane like that. Um, like they had a good game for the most part. Obviously, it fell apart in crunch time, but I still think. 
there, there's reasons to be optimistic as well and not to take this as like some sort of you know referendum on the Raptors as a franchise or anything like that um, which every loss seems to be that these days but um, no <laughs> it, it's it's just something that it's definitely a concern and the in-game adjustment stuff for Casey is still going to be an issue until it's not but I, I don't think that's like a, a death knell for the team or anything like that yeah I, look they still mm-hmm. play one more time there's six games left it's a two-game lead, so nothing's definitely settled. Uh, although I will say that game in Toronto, the, both teams are coming off the back-to-back. It'll be interesting, but Toronto was such uh, such a different team at home. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if the Celtics went in to Toronto right. and got smoked. I mean, this thing can't last forever that the Celtics are doing, and they get they got to play Milwaukee, which it's more important for them to beat Milwaukee because that is their current seven. Uh, they're the current seventh seed, and that's their current first-round matchup. So it's more important to beat them. But how do you feel about holding on to that top seed? Honestly, I think it means a lot less than people probably think it does. Because if you look at the standings, we have no idea what the optimal path for either of Boston or Toronto is going to be, right? Like, Philly's tied with the, the Cavs in the loss column, and Philly has the easiest schedule known to man to close the season. They play just all the tanking teams. Like, that's, sure, go go for it. Yes, they're, they're without Joel Embiid, but still, like, they should win every one of those games. In theory, they'll be favored in every one. And, you know, at the bottom of the standings, we have no idea where the Heat and Bucks are going to finish. I'm not sure how you feel about either of those teams. I'm not particularly worried that the Raptors are going to lose to either of them because I think the Bucks are a disaster who don't really know what they're doing and just have Giannis. And that's a nice thing to have, but you can't just only have Giannis. And I just don't think that he'd have the offensive firepower to win a series. But um, so I just, I don't know. Like the two seed might be optimal. We have no idea how it's all going to shake out with Philly and Cleveland. And if you're trying to sort of map out your way to a conference finals, you, you like, honestly, it might be okay for the Raptors to be closer to the Celtics. Maybe they can tank their way down or something if they want to do that. Um, <laughs> honestly, like I, I just, we're, we're at the point right now where we just have no idea what it's going to look like. So I have a hard time getting too up or down with every loss because it's like, all right, that loss could be good. It could be bad, but it also could be good. I don't really know. The Raptors play Cleveland on Tuesday. That if they win or lose that game, like that could either be good or bad. I, I have no idea. So, it, I mean, I do this every year, and Raptors fans especially do this every year as they fear monger for every potential playoff matchup. But um, watching the matchups is kind of futile right now because it's going to change in a dime with every single night of, of action. Yeah, I'm I'm not too worried about the bottom of the standings. So you don't want to face a guy in Giannis who is arguably the second best player in the East behind LeBron, but. Uh, the the rest of the Bucks have been so average that I don't I'm not afraid of them necessarily. Uh, and and look, without Kyrie, I'm sure that everything is going to be a little bit more difficult. Nothing is a given. But the thing about the Celtics' recent run has been that it's given Brad Stevens a ton of options that they didn't seem to have before. Uh, and I don't want to count on a rookie necessarily in the playoffs, but Jason Tatum's play over the past few weeks has shown that maybe he can shoulder a load if need be for the first round of the playoffs. And if that doesn't work out, then they can go to another direction. We've seen Al Horford go big with Al Horford, and he's actually brought the ball up a few times uh, as like a point center, which has been fun. Uh, but the, the Celtics have given Brad Stevens options that he knows works. Even if the, he unleashes that zone, at a weird time, like he, he doesn't go to it too early. He goes to it like after a full game of 
playing you one way. And part of why it was so effective against Toronto and it was very effective against um, uh, Portland and they've been able to kind of unleash it at the end uh, when, oh, I'm sorry, it was against Utah. It was against Utah when they, when they did it. Mm-hmm. Down the stretch where a player has seen 40 minutes or 35 minutes of a thing and then all of a sudden you start running pick and rolls and you turn a corner and there's a guy there that wasn't there the entire game mm-hmm. and you have to you have to adjust and that's what's made it so effective so when all of a sudden he throws it in there what do you do do you force the other team to call a timeout and burn a timeout in a in a key moment or make an adjustment make a, a substitution and now all of a sudden he's he, the Celtics have you playing on their terms so they can do that against lesser teams like Milwaukee Miami uh, I really don't want to face the Wizards without Kyrie and without Marcus Smart, especially because their guards are so good. I don't want to face that backcourt. Mm-hmm. That's the one matchup. If they fell into seven, I'd be like, oh, shit. Yeah. Because the, defensively, the Celtics would have a lot of problems stopping the Wizards. And, and that's probably the one I would want to avoid. But Indiana, Milwaukee, Miami, those three teams don't necessarily scare me. Even the Sixers, as talented as they are, uh, I don't. I don't believe in them just yet. I think they're too young. I think you can game plan if somehow they can turn a team can turn Simmons into a, a jump shooter and and cut off his his drives to the lane somehow. I know it hasn't been effective, but in a series you can game plan against that stuff. I think it's going to take them a postseason to kind of figure it out. Next postseason, if they're fully healthy, watch out. But I I think Philly is not quite as scary. But certainly they're super talented, and they'd probably not be uh, my first choice either. But Indy, Milwaukee, Miami, I, I, I'm not too worried. Yeah, the Sixers, their offense doesn't quite do it for me just yet. And I think uh, kind of in the playoffs and like crunch time, they haven't been particularly good, which I think is kind of the biggest red flag for me. Um, and as good as their defense is, yeah, I think the Simmons thing, I think we saw last night with the Celtics um, and how they dealt with Pascal Siakam, who obviously has not Ben Simmons, but he's kind of – done a little Ben Simmons-y type things as a non-shooter who can kind of make some plays uh, way to a way lesser extent than Ben Simmons, but same sort of idea. And I think we saw last night the Celtics were just like, okay, Pascal, you can hang out there on the perimeter. We're not going to guard you even a tiny little bit. And yes, there's the threat of you sort of just barreling in and making a play on the drive, but we're going to take that chance and we're just going to load up on you when you do drive. And it's just, and Siakam was kind of useless last night. It was one of his worst games I've seen him play since his rookie season last year, where he was one of the worst starters in basketball. Um, like he just didn't really have it last night after a, a few weeks of just really great play from him. So I think the Celtics, their defense is going to be able to stop anybody. I think my concern with the Celtics is their offense and, um, you know, last night, I think it required kind of a crazy offensive night from them. You know, Aaron Baines doing what you mentioned in the first quarter, uh, where he was just like, draining threes. Like, I don't think you're going to get that all the time. And even Marcus Morris, like, I'm okay if you're going to have Marcus Morris taking 15 shots in a game. I think most teams would live with that. Giving him 11 free throws, on the other hand, uh, CJ Miles kind of screwed up there. Um, but I think you're okay with that, funneling all those shots that way. And, um, so yeah, I, I think the, the Celtics downfall will eventually be their offense. The Raptors could be the decision making. I don't really know. Um, it's, uh, I'm having, like, I don't know, as an outsider for you, when you're watching this, this Raptors team, are you at all like 
like dissuaded by the recent play that they've had and, and sort of sort of letting the thoughts of playoffs pass kind of creep into your head because I still am not there yet. I know a lot of Raptors fans are, and I I get like just dumped on for being the positive guy, which seems weird. <laughs> but uh, I don't know from the outside, like looking in, are you at all concerned about where the Raptors are trending? Well, I like I my biggest troll job last night was my tweet where I said, "Oh, this this is definitely an Eastern Conference preview <laughs> because the Raptors are collapsing." So, I that that was that one I I think was maybe a little over the top. Uh, it drew. Um, <laughs> it even drew a rebuke from Toss Mellis on Twitter. So I know when I've gotten in, when I've gotten under his skin, and he's a friend of mine, I know when I've gotten under his skin, I might have been like, okay, that might be a bit much. But but at the same time, at the same time, here was a situation where it I don't know how the players approached it, but it was one versus two. First seed is the the one seed is still in play. And from an outside perspective, from a fan perspective, this was a big game. Like, this was a Saturday night game. Uh, granted, it was on NBA TV, and it wasn't the ABC game or anything like that. But it was still the Saturday night game, which is kind of a prime time. It's a big deal. And I think to see the Raptors collapse in the fourth quarter is, you know, against the Celtics, where... Like I said, the coaching was on uh, mm-hmm. under the spotlight there. It was pretty obvious that Casey got out coached, and it's pretty obvious that the bench didn't play to its highest level. I think from the outside, looking at the Raptors, and all season long, as great as the Raptors have been, every national person and every non-Raptors person, and I'm in that mix, has been saying mm-hmm. Raptors are great, but, and last night was the but. When we say we don't know what's going to happen down the stretch, are the Raptors going to revert back to DeRozan and Kyle Lowry? It's not always a bad taking idea. Turns and, right. No, I mean, look, Lowry and DeRozan are really goddamn good players. They're really, really good players. So them trying to do it on their own is not necessarily bad, but it's also something that hasn't worked for them in the past. This season has been less about that and more about the team play and that bench. And so when you see that bench kind of, you had two guys that are key players for you not show up and, and play poorly. And you had the coach not make that in-game adjustment. And this is, and I'm not saying this is the game that proves any sort of theory, but it still becomes a game that people can point to and say, take that Raptors Celtics game in Boston, for example, and they can list all the things I just said and say, this is why I don't trust the Raptors. And it's, it's legitimate. I think from the outside that you, those are things that the Raptors are going to have to prove in the playoffs. Can the things that, that have gotten you to 55 wins so far and that top seed, can you duplicate them when you're playing the same team four to seven times and that team can game plan and adjust and play for you specifically rather than a regular season kind of play how they play and, and just tweak things for you, you know, and, and, and find ways to, to play whomever's in front of them. Cause you know how that goes in the regular season. All extremely fair points. And I, I, 
while I've kind of thought all season long that just looking at the changes the Raptors have made, I, like I think it's unfair to say this team is just because it's the same, you know, three players and, and head coach who have been around the last few years and Jonas, Kyle, Demar, and Dwayne. Like I, I think it's lazy to say like yes, they're just going to be the same as they have been in seasons past because they're a very different team, very different principles, uh, entirely different offense. All these things, the defense is better than it's ever been. Um, all these sort of things I think are the reason why, and I still feel optimistic that these changes are going to translate to the playoffs and it's going to be a smoother transition uh, into that sort of style of play. Um, and I guess my counter argument to everything you said would be like last night, the Raptors didn't play like they have been all season long. And again, it's 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 a spotlight game and it's an important game that obviously is going to be highlighted. But I think the larger sample of the season still has to be taken into account here. And the Raptors have been one of the best fourth quarter teams in the league. A lot of that is just blowing teams out with their bench because they're up 30 points and they just continue to pour it on. But a lot of it is also their defense has been outstanding. It's been a sub 100 defensive rating uh, up until maybe a couple games ago. But I still think it is in fourth quarters. Um, and they, they've still scored at a pretty good rate. And their, their crunch time offense has gotten better. And I don't think you're going to get games very often based on what we've seen this season where Pascal Siakam, CJ Miles, Jakob Pertl, and DeLon Wright are all going to play horribly. I mean, this was one of the, the worst games for all four of those guys. And then Norm Powell's in there just sort of mucking things up being this season's Norman Powell uh, late in that game, which I didn't really agree with. I thought OG Ananobi should have played more. Um, and I think... You know, with Fred Van Vliet being the only bench guy who was good, that's not going to happen every night for the Raptors because we've seen all season long that these guys are just better than that. And the starters, I think, they kind of regained their form a little bit. They've looked a little shaky the last couple weeks, but, uh, you know, at the start of the season, it was actually the game after the first game in Boston when OG Ananobi took over as a starting small forward. Like, the starting five has been dominant all season long and has blown teams out for the most part. And I think it was nice to see them get back to that last night. And, like, I think the the whole package where everything clicks together is definitely a different team than we've seen in the past. I guess the question is, will it click come playoff time? I still tend to believe that, yeah, like, I think these changes are sustainable. I think what we've seen all season should hold up because I, I have no reason to doubt it right now because it's been so good for most of the season. Um, but, yeah, I totally get the, the concern and the trepidation that comes with a game like last night. And it sucks. And I just think it's a matter of, like, weird timing and, you know, the schedule was crazy for a couple weeks and I just think the Raptors being up five games a couple weeks ago I'm not sure they particularly cared about the close of the season I think you know the the playoffs have always been kind of what they're looking forward to especially when the entire conversation around the team like you mentioned is yeah this team is great but what's going to happen in the playoffs like how do you not look forward to the playoffs when you know your entire season and how you're going to be judged is hinging on it um, so I think there's just a lot of factors as to why the Raptors have kind of hit a bit of a lull here. I think when it's all clicking together, it's still a damn good team. And the, the offensive changes were still on display last night. Like the, their offense was humming in the first bit of the game. You know, DeMar and Kyle combined for 16 assists. That's kind of the ethos of what they're trying to do. Um, so while the fourth quarter was rough, I, again, I'm not one. If you're trying to come to someone for like grand takes after an individual game, I, I, I'm probably not your guy. <laughs> Which is fine. No, this is fine. I, I'm, I'm glad to get the Toronto perspective because that's, you know, look, we play again on Wednesday and we may face each other again in the playoffs. I mean, again, it may be the conference finals, but uh, it's it would have to be the conference finals, actually, because we're pretty much locked into one and two somehow. So it would have to be the conference finals, which would be a hell of a matchup. I mean, that would be that would be uh, amazing. And the Raptors, I think, in that situation, 
would definitely need to have a home court advantage because, like I said, they are tremendous at home. They have some problems on the road, but uh, I think uh, I think having that home court would be super important for Toronto. And I I do think, like I said, that you guys will have it. Yeah, all I've, right. This, I've compared the Celtics all season long to just the pimple that won't go away. <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're extremely persistent and annoying, uh, but they're just still there all the time. Again, that's Locked On Raptors host Sean Woodley. You can follow him on Twitter at Woodley Sean W O O D L E Y S E A N Woodley Sean. He does a great job on Locked On Raptors. And again, apologies for the problems with the recording. Just happened sometimes. It didn't record correctly all the way through. So I had to piece together a couple of different recordings. And I think I got the best of it, which is about 95% of what we said. It all came through. I hope you enjoyed the show. I hope you find it good enough to subscribe. If you're a first-time listener, please subscribe wherever you find your podcast. Search for Lockdown Celtics there. If you are a subscriber, hit us with that five-star rating. Give us that good review. Share. Spread the word. Let the people know that they should be listening to us, the Lockdown Celtics Podcast. We're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.